Well, amen. Well, can't beat that. That's good. I'm glad that tomb is empty. Amen? I'm glad. And by the way, it's not empty because uh, somebody came along and stole the body either. That's not why it's empty. He rose from the dead. Amen? And because he rose, we can rise as well. Well, Mark chapter 14 today, Mark chapter 14, we're going to, um, I, I'm going to speak on a topic, we'll get to it in just a moment, but um, it's not on the 4th of July, it's not even on any of that. I had warred with that, I warred with uh, what to speak on today as we look forward to the 4th of July celebration on Thursday, and um, I just could not get away from the message that I'm going to share today, Okay. And so um, it's, um, it's has nothing at all to do with uh, the 4th of July, at all, at all, okay? At least I'll, I'll try to make it sound like it is in the very beginning of it, okay? But in the long run, it really has nothing at all to do with the 4th of July. But Mark chapter 14, I want to look at two verses to begin with, and we're going to see a situation here. It's at the end of the Lord Jesus' ministry on earth, and... We're going to see here that he has gathered his disciples together, and in the midst of this gathering, a question is asked. Now, let's go ahead and begin reading in Mark chapter 1, uh, 14, Mark chapter 14, in verse 18, all right? And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, and to say unto him one by one, is it I? And another said, Is it I? Again, here they are sitting and eating together, and Jesus makes a statement that will, uh, truly, I don't know about you, but if, if he walked in the building today and stood in this pulpit and said, One of you will betray me. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, Wow, that's rough. I mean, I, I would be, that'd be a, a a major announcement. And in this case, it was a major announcement. There were just his disciples gathered about him and he makes the statement and they have, I mean, think about it. I mean, they, they had traveled with him. They had spent time with him. They had, had ministered together with him. And he says, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, is it I? And another said, is it I? Now, I think that's kind of interesting. I, I don't know about you, but I think it's very interesting that every one of them start to say, well, is it I? Is it I? And uh, I, I guess the question I have, is it possible to be too confident? Is it possible to be too confident in some things? I mean, these disciples, as we said, were handpicked by the Lord Jesus Christ. They had traveled the last three years by his side. They had witnessed the greatest exhibition of supernatural healing power that the world has ever seen. And yet when they're told that one of them would betray him, one by one they ask the question, is it I? These were the men that were closest to the master. And still they ask the question, is it I? Is it I? I don't know about you, but I got to believe that they were closer to him than I am. In the sense that they traveled with him, they walked with him, they talked with him, they literally lived with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they were with the master. Oh, I try to have a relationship with the Lord, I try to walk with the Lord, I try to be what I ought to be and pray and, 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 and bow my knee and 
and, 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 and get in the word of God and all, but I guess if I would say, is my mind fixed on Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'll be honest with you, I struggle sometimes with that. These men were with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They were ministering with him. They were following him. They were walking with him, talking with him, interacting with him on a regular basis in a very physical, very, very practical way. And yet when the Lord Jesus Christ said, one of you will betray me, each one of them starts to ask the same question. Is it I? If they could ask a question like that after their background, after being so close to the Lord, would it be possible for us to become so confident or too confident to say, oh, it would never be me? I have to believe that Judas, by this time, knew he was going to betray the master. I believe at this point, obviously, because he, he leaves and betrays the master, right? He leaves this supper to do so. However, I, I look at the others and I think to myself, although they're committed, although they, found them, they, they, they were dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're still questioning their future loyalty, their future allegiance to him. So I think we can learn something from that. And you say, well, what is that? Well... Um, I guess we learned that if you're going to betray the master, there's a good chance you know that already. And if you're not, you're probably still concerned that you might in the future. And so you'd be like, you know, it's not me, is it? I'm I'm not going to do that to you, am I, Lord? I wonder sometimes, again, it's, is it possible for you to betray the Lord? Could you even, you say, I could never imagine betraying the Lord. Really? They did. They obviously thought it's a possibility. They wouldn't have asked if it was not a possibility, I don't think. I don't think they were being pious. I don't think they were being self-righteous. I don't think they were being, you know, super spiritual. I think they were legitimately going, is it I? I wonder if any of us will turn our backs on him. I wonder if any of us in this room will slip away from the Father or or the faith that we now hold so true anytime soon. I wonder. Well, with that said, I want to address a, a topic that I've entitled, How to Avoid Backsliding. How to Avoid Backsliding. I have no idea why this has been on my mind for well over a week, and I, I can't get it off my mind, but it's something that I think I want to address. And, and uh, um, it, it's something that, that, that actually I was speaking with someone about this a while back, and, and I made some statements, and they said, boy, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I said, boy, that wasn't bad, was it? And it just I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. And so I want to share it with you tonight, this morning. How, how to avoid backsliding. First of all, we're going to look at a couple things. One, we're going to look at the principle. Then we're going to look at the problem, uh, or should I say a principle. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to share a principle with you. And then we're going to look at a problem, the problem, really, and then the prescription. 
So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. And, and we need to move rather quickly today. So let's do our best to get through this. But again, may God help us. Because in the end, if the disciples could possibly have even questioned their own loyalty and allegiance to the master at that point and stage of their life, shouldn't we be careful not to be too overly confident? My dad used to say all the time to me, never say never, son. Never say never. And I was like, why? I'll never do that. Never say never. You'd be surprised what you're capable of. You'd be surprised what you can do. You'll be surprised one day as you look back on your life, there'll be things you'll think, I, wish, I, said, I, would have, I never would have dreamed I'd have done that, said that, gone there, done that, whatever. Can I tell you that that's already been proven true in my own life? So today, let's consider this topic, how to avoid backsliding. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. Bless us as a people. Bless us as a church. May we, Father, today around your word truly glean what you'd have for us. May we be very open to the principle uh, of the Christian life that needs to be addressed today and then some of the problems that we face. And may we be honest with ourselves, honest with you. And Lord, may you help us because I believe that we have a room full of people that as a whole want to please you and Yet, Lord, if we're not careful, we can all make bad decisions. Help us to make the right decisions, to do the right thing all the time. Now, bless us. And if there be any that have never received and accept you as Savior, Lord, I pray that today they would, that your spirit would come along and impress on their heart the need for the Savior, despite what we'll be talking about or in spite of. Lord, whatever it is, may you do the work in lives. We know that it's not us, it's you anyway. Well, thank you in Christ's name, amen. First of all, the principle. Take your Bible, turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1, would you please? The principle. We're talking about how to avoid backsliding. So let's consider the principle, first of all. 2 Peter 1, 5. A, a powerful passage, one that was a theme passage for us in the past. Uh, we utilized it as our theme passage a few years ago. But notice what it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. <clears throat> And beside this, again, Peter speaking, obviously to, to believers, and he says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Again, we notice in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, according to this passage, that you and I as believers are to consistently and continually add to our faith, aren't we? I don't think that it's a, deb a debatable issue. I don't think that it's something you say, well, I don't necessarily agree that you have to always add to your faith. I think once you have your faith, that's sufficient, that's enough. No, he says to add to it. I'm just saying, biblically and scripturally, from the very passage we read, I think it's pretty plain that we are to continually and consistently add to our faith. 
Now see, fruitfulness in the believer's life is a result of this adding to your faith. It's a result of constant growth in your life. If we're talking about adding to our faith, what we're saying is growing in our faith. And you know what? If you want to be faithful, if you want to be consistent, then you have to be consistently growing. That's what the Bible teaches. If you and I wish to never fall, then we have to add to our faith. Therefore, the recipe for standing in the Christian life is adding to your faith. You say, I don't want to fall. I don't want to falter. I don't want to get off track. Well, then you have to add to your faith. You have to. The believer is admonished then to climb and reach new heights in their walk and relationship with the Lord. Always attaining to new heights. Always rising higher. Always going forward. We could put it this way. We could say that our trajectory is to be upward at all times then. Turn you with to Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 2. Years ago, at the, you know, in, when we were sending rockets into space all the time, they talk about the trajectory of that rocket. It had to be pointed in a certain direction, and direction had to have a certain trajectory if we wanted to hit the moon. You know what? If you want to hit uh, this, the, the prize, if you want to reach the goal, if you want to become everything God wants you to be, you have to make sure your trajectory is proper. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 also goes on to say, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, notice in verse 1, he makes it a point to let us know that we are in a race. And he's telling us that you need to lay aside every weight. You need to lay aside all the sin. Why? So that you can run that race with patience. So that you can ultimately cross the finish line. You can become victorious in your Christian life. Again, the believer's life is one of constant and continual growth. Constant and continual movement. Forward, 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 upward, 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 always. That's the principle. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, the Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Continue thou, he says. See, this is an admonition that was given to Timothy. But that, the application of that passage is to each and every one of us. The moment we cease to continue, the moment we cease to climb, the moment we cease moving forward, we are backslidden. We're backslidden and away from God. This is the principle. The problem. What's the problem? Here's what happens to us. We start off the Christian life moving forward or climbing consistently. We are growing in our faith. We're adding to our faith, but we kind of plateau. 
we reach a particular plane in our Christian life and find ourselves still there down the road. We're doing well. Can I get the slide? If you've got it up there, go ahead and try to get that set up for us. And, and so the trajectory of the believer is headed upward. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10, we see that. But because we're to maintain a constant state of ascent, to remain on a particular plane, then it's backsliding. You say, what do you mean? Well, again, we run into plateaus as believers. The new believer starts off strong. The new believer's fired up and excited. And then all of a sudden, the new believer says, you know what? I'm kind of going to coast for a while. Now, they may not consciously do that at first. But before they know it, they look back and they look over their last three months or last six months. And you say, hey, how have you grown in your faith? How have you added to your faith? How have you ascended in your Christian life? How have you progressed in your, your walk with the Lord? And they go, well, actually things, I, I really haven't progressed. I mean, I'm still living for the Lord. I, I'm still going to church. I, I, I try to read my Bible and I, I do all those things. But, but the, the butt's the problem there because they've plateaued maybe. But wait a second, according to the word of God, a believer is to maintain a constant state of ascent. That is the, the, that, that, that is the, 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 the acceptable position for the believer in God's eyes. To constantly be adding to faith, to consistently and continually be, be elevating and ascending forward, to have a trajectory going upward in our faith and our walk with the Lord. So to remain on a particular plane then is actually backsliding. Because we shouldn't be there. We should always be there. We should always be ascending. We should always be adding. We should always be growing. We should always be moving forward, not in neutral. And again, it needn't be gross sin in our life. It doesn't have to be a major fall that takes place in our lives that defines us as a backslider or to be backslidden. It may simply be that we have, not, we have failed to progress as God would have us. And as a result of not progressing as God would have us, we're not where we should be at this point in our Christian life. Therefore, we are backslidden. So when we're not where we're supposed to be in the, the growth trajectory... We are essentially backslidden then. Let's just assume, let's say that you have a retirement plan or retirement goal. And you set your goal and you say, we want to retire with $200,000. We want to retire with with three hundred dollars or four hundred. dollars We want to retire with a million even. I don't know. Whatever your number is or whatever you think you can obtain. And you say, that's my goal. I'm going to make, I'm going to retire with $300,000 and uh, you know what they're going to do if you have a company that you're going through that's maybe it's mutual funds that you're investing in. There's a, there's a particular group, whether it's Vanguard or, or, or Fidelity or some other group. They're going to send you a readout and they're going to give you updates on your progress. They're going to show you where you should be in that progress. And then they're going to show you where you are in that progress. Are you ahead of schedule? Are you behind schedule? Are you on target? Is your giving enough to ultimately help you attain your goal? Or are you going to have to step it up? See, if you are in a particular place financially, 
that is not going to place you at your goal in the end, then in a sense you are backslidden or have slidden backwards. That means that you have some catching up to do. You're not where you're supposed to be. Oh, you say, yeah, but I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't retired yet. I know there's still hope for you. The point being is you're not where you belong, so you're behind schedule. You're behind where you ought to be. Biblically, that's backslidden. See, as a believer, where you should be and where you are might be two different places. And if we're not careful because we attend church, we assume we're right on schedule. We assume we're doing perfectly fine because we go to church or we attempt to read our Bible and pray or we're going through the motions and doing things on a consistent, regular basis. I'm kind to people. I'm loving. I I try to help people. I do my best. I try to live a good life. I don't want to be a blight on God's, uh, uh, a a blight to, to God or anything like that. But the truth is, is that God sees past that. And he says, what I want for you is not just simply you being good enough. What I want for you is to continually and consistently grow in your faith. It's not enough that you sit in the pew and come to church, he's saying. When you're outside the church house, when you're on your own, when you're at home, when you're in your bedroom at night, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're a Christian first. You're to be ascending. You're to be continuing. You're to be growing. And if we're not growing, then we are either on a plateau or we're really headed down. But either way, it's backslidden because it's not where we belong. It's not where we should be. Neutral does not exist in the Christian life. Look at the trajectory of the believer again. See, you and I face constant opposition from Satan in the world. To move up, to continue to increase or climb, to take different levels and to, to rise up, let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but when I'm, when I'm riding my bike, wife and I get out riding our bikes, there, there's a, a couple places that have some pretty steep hills. Man, you get on that hill, and I mean to tell you, it's work. It's work to get, go uphill. It's work to continue to climb. And you know what? You know what I found? It's never comfortable to climb. It takes effort. How is it that as believers we're so comfortable? How can it be that we as believers, although we're to continue on this trajectory of the Christian life that is an upward, against the world, against Satan, against the devil, against the flesh, we're always fighting against all of those opponents. And yet for us, we're saying, man, you know what? The Christian life ain't so bad. It's pretty easy stuff. It's no big deal. There's no real battles here. It's going pretty smooth. I'm pretty content in this place. I like what it's going on. It's easy. It's real comfortable. How can that be? You're riding your bicycle uphill and you're like, this is great. I love it. It's so comfortable. Oh, no way, buddy. No, the sweat's pouring off. The legs are getting tight. The hips are tightening up. And of course, the gluteus maximuses are getting in shape. Some of you don't even know what I just said. That was in tongues. I was speaking in tongues. But the fact is, is that that's, that can be even painful at times. Can I tell you that the Christian life is one of a constant trajectory upward forward. Maybe we're not uncomfortable in the least 
because we've plateaued. By the way, you know what the easiest place to be on a bicycle is? Heading downhill. Woo! I got to hit my brakes even. Got to slow down. Wouldn't it be sad to think that Christians have to slow down so they don't just literally fall into gross sin? Trajectory. You, you can pull, well, just leave it up. Who cares? No, but they, there's nothing up there. They can't, you can't keep watching it, right? Because it's not that exciting. So neutral doesn't exist. We face that constant opposition from Satan and the world. Therefore, there's no place for coasting. We're either in drive, really, or we're headed backwards, really, in the long run. Now, the prescription then. How is it that we cease from, uh, keep from backsliding? How, how is it that we, we, we we've avoid backsliding then? Because the real time, I mean, let's face it, as believers, it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to stop growing. It's easy to, to, to simply be content where I'm at, to feel like I'm good enough, like I'm doing enough now. I'm, I'm already reading my Bible. I'm already praying. I, 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 okay, I memorize a scripture once in a lifetime. But that's enough. Nobody else is memorizing them, at least not adults. The only, only kids that are memorizing are the ones whose parents make them. The rest don't even do that. So I'm doing good just being there. I'm doing good not cussing. I'm doing good just not being immoral. I'm doing good just not doing those gross sins. I mean, look at the world. I'm a lot better than them. We could be on a plateau easily if that's the case. There's no urgency to grow. If there's no real desire to draw nigh to the Lord, then my friend, you've probably plateaued. You might even be headed downhill a little bit. So, How to avoid backsliding. Here's the prescription. Number one, add to your faith. We already talked about it, didn't we? Add to your faith. And we saw 2 Peter 1, 5, who makes it very clear that we are to give all diligence to this. To faith, virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. To temperance, patience. To patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, charity. Always adding. Always going forward. Always climbing. Always staying on course. Always developing qualities that are Christ-like in character. Do you ever find yourself saying things, doing things, thinking things, and going, Lord, I've got to change that. I have to change that. That is wrong. That's not a Christ-like spirit. That's not a Christ-like attitude. I don't think Jesus would have felt the way I just felt, did what I just did, say what I just said, do what I just done. I don't think so. And there's something about conviction. There's something about inside saying, shut your trap, Mark O'Donnell. Don't say those things. Don't think those things. Don't go that that place in your mind. Don't let that happen. You can't let that happen. You've got to change. You've got to go forward. You can't stay where you're at. You've got to keep ascending. You've got to add a Christ-like quality to your life. The Bible says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. In 1 Timothy 4, 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Hebrews 13, 1, let brotherly love continue. There has to be an element of continuation in the Christian life. It's not a matter of neutral. It's not a matter of coasting. It's a continual upward climb. 
And that can be, not, it's not always easy. Number two, avoid potential pitfalls. If you don't want to backslide, if you want to avoid backsliding, you have to avoid potential pitfalls. I've used this illustration before, but it fits perfectly, so I'm going to share it again. But there was a story told about a stagecoach company who was hiring, a, uh, uh, hiring uh, men to drive its stagecoaches through the mountainous areas and regions. The local office manager had advertised for the position, and of course, people started applying for the job. And as they were interviewing, the boss would ask each applicant the same question. How close can you drive the team to the edge of the cliff as you round the mountain? Well, that first applicant, he replied that he was extremely skillful. Skillful enough that he could drive the stagecoach within three feet of the edge of that cliff. Well, the boss thanked him for coming in and giving his time. And he called, of course, the next applicant. And in the course of the interview, the boss asked the, the, that man the exact same question. And he said, he said listen, now, I, I just wonder, you know, how close uh, uh, can you drive the team to the edge of the cliff if you round, as you round the mountain? He said, well, I could drive that team within one foot of the edge of that cliff. Of course, he thanked him again and said, wow, that's, that's really an amazing thing. Uh, that's, wonder, that's amazing, just simply amazing. And he, and he said, just, uh, okay, you know, don't call us, we'll call you. And, of course, the next guy comes in. And the boss asked the, the same exact question again. How close can you drive the team to the edge of the cliff as you're around the mountain? He said, well, honestly, sir, I'd drive the coach as far from the edge of the cliff as I possibly could. He got the job. He got the job. Can I ask you, how important is it that you and I stay away from the edge of the cliff as far away as we possibly can? How's come it is in the believer's life so many times today, especially in the culture in which we live, we flirt with danger, we flirt with temptation, we flirt with falling, we stand on the edge and we, we do a tightrope act on the edge. Oh, I listen, I'm under the grace of God. I can get as close to the edge as I want. I'm just not supposed to fall. I'm going to stay as close as I can. I'm going to enjoy the world as much as possible. Why would we have that attitude if our goal is to not backslide? And if our desire is to truly grow, why is it that we would continue to let certain things in our life that continue to hinder and hamper us to a degree that we find ourselves not being as consistent as we should be, not being as desirous of the Word of God and of Christ Himself, not being happy with the people of God, being discontented in our heart and our souls? Why do we let things continually discourage us, keep us down, hold us back, if our goal is to truly keep climbing and add to our faith. Avoid potential pitfalls. We could say, well, name a few of those pitfalls. I think you know what they are. Let's be careful what we watch on TV. Let's be careful what we listen to. Let's be careful that we're not feeding the flesh through the music we listen to, whether we call it Christian whatever, whether you call it country, whether you call it rock, whether you call it rap, whatever you call it, the fact is, is that if it's not Christ honoring in the beat, it's not Christ honoring in the lyrics, it's not Christ honoring across the board, my friend, why do we keep flirting with pitfalls? Why do we do that? 
sadly enough, I'm not so sure that if those are things in our lives, we haven't already plateaued. Maybe we're even on the wrong trajectory. Maybe we're pointing the other way now instead of the right way. Matter of fact, I would have to believe that's the case if you're a child of God and there was a time in your life when those things weren't in it, but they are now. Avoid potential pitfalls. Let's stay away from the edge. See, there's no shame in being cautious and careful without, with our testimonies. What advantage is there of exposing ourselves to temptation? A temptation that could capture us, ultimately bind us and even hold us. And keep us from the race that God's called us to run. And ultimately change our trajectory. What what advantage does that have? Number three, align yourself with God and his word. Align yourself with God and his word. You don't want to backslide. Did you have to consciously align yourself with God and his word? Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. Turn there, would you please? Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. You know what? I'm stopping right there. I'll pick this up tonight. We're talking about the trajectory of the Christian life. Always climbing. Always ascending. Always going up. We just got done speaking of two things. Two things that can help us avoid backsliding. Add to our faith. Continue to add Christ-like qualities and character. And number two, we said, obviously, Avoid potential pitfalls. I wonder today, is there anything in your Christian life, anything in your daily walk that could ultimately trip you up? Ultimately cause you to take a step in the wrong direction. Possibly keep you not from making the worst. This isn't what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about falling off the cliff. I'm talking about plateauing, not growing for a moment. Is there anything that could keep you from ascending that might cause you to level off, which is not what God's will and purpose for your life is? We kind of get the idea that backsliding is you got to be out of church. You have to be in rebellion to your parents. You somehow have embraced some vice, alcohol, drugs, immorality. That that's backsliding. I'm telling you, backsliding in the Christian life is so much more subtle than that. Those are the the repercussions. Those are the consequences of plateauing. Those are the consequences of not growing consistently and continually. Not adding to our faith like we ought to. As you're, if you're a believer today, I, 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 I would encourage you and hope that you'd take some inventory of your life today and really begin to ask yourself, am I growing in my Christian life? And if I am, what can I point to to prove that to others? What could I tell someone else that's taking place in my life that would 
prove to them that I am on that trajectory. Maybe you're lost today without Christ. You don't even know for sure heaven's your home. You've never even come to the place where you've invited the Lord Jesus to wash your sin away. You've come to the place where maybe, you've never come to the place where you recognize yourself as the sinner that God says we all are as human beings. We're dealing with Generation Z in our singles class. I'm doing a series on Generation Z, and that's the, those that were born between 1999 and, and 2015. We're talking about their beliefs, their, their, their outlook, their views. Boy, things are changing, folks. If you've never been exposed or introduced to Jesus Christ, I want you to know that He is God in flesh. And that He literally... Seeing you, the sinner that you are, said, I don't want that person to pay for their sin. And God himself, the creator of the universe, became a man, lived a sinless, perfect life, ultimately paid the ultimate price for sin, which is death, by hanging on a cross, dying in your place. Jesus just didn't come because he wanted to be a good example. He, became, he came to this earth because he he was the only way, truth, and life. The only means by which you and I can escape our sin and the consequences of it. He will forgive you. He will save you. And the Bible says he will literally take up residency inside you and transform and change your life. He'll do that for you if you'll trust and receive him. Today, if you've never done that, I pray that you will before you leave. Father, we come to you.